Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Damon, and this is your reaction pod to the Bermuda Championship and some brand new news off the hot stove. Joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, hey, buddy. What's going on, guys? Happy Halloween. Happy to be here. Happy Halloween. I'm stoked to talk about all this. Uh, Mark Immelman is here. Mark, are you are you in costume right now? Uh, no, this is Mark Schuld. Um, Mark should have a Braves hat on and a Falcon shirt. In fact, there's a Falcon shirt underneath here for producer Jacob. Um, yeah, it's a good time in Georgia right now for sport. Mm-hmm. Listen, Mark, no, I mean, there have been zero examples of Atlanta based teams getting up by a lot and then blowing it, right? So, you guys should yeah. be good here. <laughs> That's why I'm gonna just not say another word until uh, hopefully the, the what seeming, seemingly unachievable will be achieved. There you go. Kyle Porter rounds out our group for today. KP, are people did, was trick or treating last night on Saturday night, or are we are we actually going to go for this on Sunday night because it's actually the thirty first? <clears throat> yeah, it's tonight. It's uh, it's on Sunday in our in our neighborhood. So it, it's, I mean, listen, trick or treating is different than like Halloween parties, right? Because trick or treating you can start it. I mean, we'll probably go out with the kids at. I don't know, 5, 5.15. So it's more of like everybody just hanging out in the neighborhood and you can still sort of get them to bed by like 8 o'clock, 8.30. So yeah, it's been a fun couple of weeks of good weather and hanging out with friends outside. And uh, it's just an excuse for me to, you know, run around with friends in the neighborhood. So I'm looking forward to it. And I still have the kids candy. Dressed up as... Well, I, I don't usually address that. My son went as Tom, uh, is going as Tom Brady. He's got a, mm. <laughs> he's got a, uh, and then one of my daughters is Elsa. One's a ladybug. And my other son is a knight, but the Tom Brady kid oh. is, uh, the best part about his costume is we got him the Jersey, but he put he put a, uh, like a QB towel in his, nice. be- like in his, in his shorts. <laughs> so he's got the towel hanging out the back, which I thought he did it on his own. I was like, that's next level it's very i thought you were gonna say you got him a football and he just took a couple of psi out of it and yeah there we go around. there we go <laughs> all right my sister my sister-in-law made that joke so congratulations rick thank you <laughs> uh speaking of trick or treat we've got some news and you could categorize this however you would like but greg norman is going to be the commissioner of a new golf league. And and Greg, we'll start with you. There's a lot to kind of unpack here. So I'm going to try to take this bullet by bullet. So this is uh, essentially a, a uh, Saudi-funded golf group that has partnered with the Asian Tour, which is strategic, uh, that Greg Norman is going to be the commissioner of. And it is uh, certainly well-funded, and they are looking at a runway of... 10 years and they're willing to put multiple hundreds of million, uh, millions of dollars into this. They're definitely throwing a lot of money at it. Um, I kind of, 
from everything that I've read and all the speculation that there was, and I know there's been some groups and different ideas that have been thrown around and uh, there's been some splits and some complications, but what we've ultimately received so far is a little bit, it, there's not much to it to me. I mean, this reminds me very much of say the Rolex series on the European tour where you have a, a, a different tour that's not the PGA tour. And there are some elevated status events on that tour. And so I'm very curious to see what the detail, how the details roll in, because our biggest concern has been our PGA tour stars going to choose this new tour over the PGA tour. Well, this is just simply the Asian tour. So do, do PGA tour players really want to go play the Asian tour instead? I I don't think that's what we're going to get. Um, and, and one of the biggest points that I read was that there aren't any events in the U.S. or in Europe and Asia, at least as of now. So we'll see how all that plays out. We'll see how the PGA Tour handles the releases. We'll see how the schedules line up. But I have a really hard time seeing a huge problem for the PGA Tour at this point. The the partnership with the Asian Tour, Mark, is very strategic because in theory, if you did nab some of the top players in the world, the Asian tour is an officially sanctioned OWGR tour. They could continue to earn world ranking points. That was one of the questions we talked about, you know, six months ago is if a new tour starts, do they have to go through the process of, of getting OWGR points and that stuff kind of influences how they get into major championships and other events. So this is very strategic to kind of become an arm of the Asian tour. Yeah, well, absolutely. And I think, well, two things, the point I wanted to make was this is, if anyone was going to do this and become the commissioner, it would have been Greg Norman because he he tussled with Tim Fincham back in the day to try and start the world tour and that didn't work out. So I don't know if there was an axe to grind, but, you know, being the kind of guy that Norman is, you know, he's an achiever. And so I'm sure when this idea was tossed out there, he would have bitten at the thing, uh, pardon the pun. But, um, the, with the Asian tour now, with the European tour and the PGA tour kind of amalgamating, for lack of a better word, the Asian tour, I'm sure, was looking for a little punch. And when money gets thrown at you like this, you can create bigger purses. I don't know how the thing's going to transpire to to fall in behind Greg's observation. But, yeah, the Asian tour is an official tour. I'm sure they're looking to build their brand. Who wouldn't? And Greg Norman is a major player in the golf industry. He still is. And obviously, money talks. And so, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not too sure what the future holds. But it seemed like a, a likely combination if this thing was going to happen. Um, and and you sort of got two sides of the globe working now in opposition to each other. So, I, I you know, watch the presses. I, I'm keen to see how this whole thing pans out. Well-funded and coming soon, KP. Greg Norman uh, seemingly going to step down as the CEO of his company, the Greg Norman Company, and he is going to be full-time in this arena. And we're expected to see this start up as, as early as next year. I mean, we are what a month away two months away <laughs> from 2022 it feels wild but like we we are going to start to see seemingly this in action very shortly yeah i think i have confusion over it. so it's it's <clears throat> this whole uh what, what did we how do we pronounce it do we decide okay we, so we had a lot of this, consternation about this 
This uh, organization is it's LIV in all caps, LIV Golf Investments. That is the the Saudi based you know entity that is that is putting this on. I would argue it's live. It might be live. Uh, or it could be Roman numerals as we went down the rabbit hole. That's that's <laughs> the one right there. So I I guess we'll call it live. I, I don't I don't know. L- we'll call it LIV. How about that? Yeah. Good. This LIV investments thing is the only like, <clears throat> and and I'm legitimately asking because I don't know. Is the only reason that they're they're partnering with the Asian Tour f- for the OWGR points? Like, is that it right there? Like, is that the 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 primary thing? I think it's well, I mean, logical thing. Yeah, yeah that, that's a huge step, but it also it gives you structure. You it gives you players. You have an immediate place to get players from. So all the guys that uh, that qualify for the Asian Tour, you can fill fields, and now you're not as you're you're not completely reliant on picking off players from other tours. So it, it does limit a little bit of pressure in my opinion. And, and that's why they did it. They, they have taken a lot of the steps uh, that are groundwork on, on a, to set up a tour are already taken. So I, that's, that's what I think, but even beyond the uh, official world golf ranking points. So two things real quick. And, and Mark has said this before, and I agree with it. It's like, okay, could this happen? Like, could this blow up the PGA tour and, and the European tour and all this different stuff? Sure. It could, but like, when is something real going to happen? Like, okay. Greg Norman gets named the CEO that, that does not, that's not as meaningful as even getting like Victor Hovland to be in your, or whoever, I'm just throwing a top 20 guy out there to be in your league. Like if you, if you say, if you come out and say, Hey, we got Finau, we got Hovland, we got John Rom. I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. This is like, this, there's like something happening here. If you just name the CEO of an organization, okay. Like what is like, what's net? Like what, what am I, what am I supposed to do with that? You know, I, and, and it's not nothing, but it just, I feel like it's just been, it's, it's sort of the apex of what's been happening for the last year, which is just a bunch of chatter and talk and maybe there's fire behind that smoke like the smoke that we've seen but i want to actually see the fire at some point you know and maybe that's coming i've had i've talked to some people that believe that it is coming but i think the other point and and greg hit on it right there is like what if you don't need hovland and finau and john rom what if what if what you're trying to do is just to identify the next hideki or the next KJ Choi or whoever from Asia and, and, and make that, I mean, cause think about like the market in Asia and mm-hmm. uh, China, Japan, like all these different places. It's, ma- it's massive. And like, maybe you don't need the 14th best guy in the United States to even be in your league. Like maybe that's part of kind of the strategy behind this. I, I don't know that I'm just throwing that out there as a potential idea for kind of what's unfolding here. So would would you see that as like a coexistence? Sorry, Mark. No word. Like just just you have um, uh, the tour in Asia and in Asia and Europe and maybe other parts of the world. This is the the top tour, and on the PGA tour in the U- in the United States, we have all of our remaining markets and stars and players, and some of the new guys maybe have a choice at that point. Yeah, maybe. 
I mean, and maybe maybe the maybe the draw for the next Hideki or whoever. I'm just throwing. He's the best in Asia ever. As as uh, Rick and I kind of went through. We found maybe, out. maybe the maybe the pull is not in the future for him to come to the PGA Tour because the Asian Tour and and how you know however this plays out is big enough to kind of you know pull him in there. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of grasping at straws because I just don't really understand like how this is going to go. Hey, Rick, I want to add something, and then I want to get your take. Um, here's the way I see it panning out, because I'm along with Kyle. It's all just, well, we've got a CEO. We're promising a whole bunch of money. Now, watch out. Here we come. And I'm like, yeah, was, you're trying to cast a big shadow, but there isn't really anything yet. But here's the thing with the alignment with the Asian tour. I would not be at all surprised if they just suddenly name 10 events on the Asian tour schedule and go, <laughs> these are big cash events now. Yeah. And yeah. Points. Yeah. And now we're going to try and get some guys to get waivers from the tour to come because here's what I, I, what Carl says has a lot of merit in terms of just creating another tour. But since the year dot, I mean, when my brother was playing full time, they got a lot of money to go and play in Japan. Even when Jumbo Ozaki and all these sorts of guys were stars over there, when you bring an international over, like a Masters champion, like Trevor was, this pulls crowds. We've seen that with Zozo. And so I don't think the tour can stand alone. I think they have to get some of the American folks or the Euros or whoever it is to come over there and lend some gravitas to this thing and to the attraction of those players. I think that's where or the reason why they might have named Norman because he still swings a pretty big bat. And in the locker room, players will have a listen to him. And some of the Australians respect him highly. So I'm looking at folks like Adam Scott and Jason Day and company like that. And then they go and then they tell their buds. And all of a sudden, this thing kind of grows like a bit of a snowball. But again, we don't know. It's all just circumspection right now. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll put a bow on this and we'll go to we'll go on to Bermuda here. Uh, I think it's interesting that they're already saying like, 10 years. We like, I thought there was, we had a conversation earlier where they jump in, they try it for two years, see if they can make a big enough, uh, spark and, and who knows what happens to it after that. This seems like a longer term investment. And what this might end up doing is being like, uh, I'll give you the perfect example. Uh, it's a baseball example. Uh, the Washington nationals five years ago had to overpay for free agents because that was the only way that you were going to get them to come to Washington. So what you might see is someone like a, I don't even know who a good example would be Johnny Vegas getting paid an outrageous amount of money to play because they've got to pay for these mid, you know, the 50 to 100 players and then kind of work their way up from there. They're going to have to overpay some of these mid tier guys. It happens in baseball all the time. That's what I imagine this could end up being. Um, just real quick on the 10 year point, Rick, um, I, that to me is all it is, is a, it, it's an investment from a company. Right there, there's a. It's it's very similar to me to FedEx, the deal FedEx and the PGA Tour have. We're gonna represent you and fund you, and I would imagine there's something in return. I don't know what that deal is, but th that's all that is to me. We're gonna, we'll fund you for ten years, and and this is the deal, and we're hoping that it turns profitable for us. Um, but then on the player side, it it almost seems like you don't need players. to get players to choose. I love that too. You, you don't need to get these guys to decide. Is this just going to be individual events? And hey, we got Tiger Woods this week because the PGA Tour is not at a major stop and the tour let, let him go play. Um, or are they going to try to make this a real a competitor to the tour and say, hey, in order to play 
on the Asian, you got to play in these, you got to play in these 10 events and you have to play in all 10 in order to qualify for whatever the prize fund may be. And, and if they do something like that, it, it would be much more difficult. I, I almost think if they do individual events, they'll get some PGA tour players every once yeah. in a while, but not, mm. not for all 10 events, not but, for the entire time. You're not getting people jumping ship. They're just going to get a waiver for a week. But I think what's going to be interesting, and maybe I'm still in Mark's thunder here, is will the PGA Tour allow them to do that? And if not, then I think all of a sudden the PGA Tour almost creates this problem for itself when DJ or JT or Rory or whoever's like, wait a second, like I can't do what? Like it, those guys just, they have so much leverage. And when the PGA Tour, like, the, obviously we're dealing in hypotheticals here. So who knows what's going to happen? But if if DJ goes to the tour and it's like, hey, I want to play in Asia for you know the first part of May, and the tour is like, no, you actually can't do that. That <laughs> DJ is going to be like, wait, why? And then like you like if you're the tour, are you like forcing those guys to just leave and go play there full time? I don't know, maybe not, but I think that part of it is going to be super interesting. Last word, Mark, if you want it. Uh, I was going to say what Kyle was going to, the waiver thing is a big deal. Um, and the players have to play, I don't know what the requirement is, the 15 events or whatever the case might be, and the stars these guys are looking at. I can see what you're saying, Rick. They're going to get maybe a Westwood or someone like this, someone who's well-respected to play there, and he's going to be the lure alongside Norman to lure some other guys over there. But the, the guys, the top of the game, they're not looking to play more than 20 events a season. And they don't want to build in. You saw how few folks want to go to Japan for the Zozo. And it was $10 million. It was a huge purse. Point. So, so, so I'm keen to see if they do lure guys away from the tour to make a trip to the other side of the globe for maybe two weeks. Um, I don't know. I, it, it, it's a big sell. I'm sure we will have much more conversation about this as we learn more because all we got was Greg Norman serving as commissioner and we can kind of take it from there. But let's talk about the Bermuda championship here because we have a winner and his name is Lucas Herbert and he gets the job done for his third career victory uh, worldwide. And KP, I know I got to get you out of here. So I'm going to give you first, first word on this. Lucas Herbert's three worldwide wins. First one, Dubai desert classic on Australia day. Second one, Irish open on American Independence Day, Bermuda Championship, third victory on Halloween. He is Holiday Herbert. Sign him <laughs> up anytime an event ends on a holiday Sunday. Herbert's your guy. Well, it's it's <clears throat> is the Masters on Easter next year? Because that would be good news for him. <laughs> there good you goal. go. Could be because he's in because he's in the Masters, right? With this yeah, win. Yeah. What a what a great like. I mean, we, we can debate whether a master's invite should be available for both the Memorial and the Bermuda. Uh, but what a great, uh, you know, parting gift for him, not just to win a PGA Tour event, but to get into Augusta, which is, you know, whatever, five, six months away. Um, yeah, I mean, it, he, he's a good player. And there was a bunch of guys like him in this field that are the guys that, maybe the casual fans like, wait a second, I, I, maybe I've heard that name. I don't know. The guys that are ranked from 75 to 150 in the world. There are so many guys in this event uh, and he happened to emerge and he didn't really do it with an amazing, what did he shoot on the second nine? Like 34. So it was okay. He was one under on the back nine. 
Um, but you know, it was, it was good enough to get it done. So good for him. I'm, I'm looking at the stat right now. It's, uh, it's players from Australia in the last 20 years to win. I think this is on the PGA tour at 25 or younger. So it's Jason day, Adam Scott, Cam Smith, Aaron Baddeley, and Lucas Herbert. So that's, if you're Lucas Herbert, that's, <laughs> that's good company. Like those are all, uh, really, really good PGA tour pros. Um, so yeah, it's great for him. Very good company. Do you have to go? I do have to go. Uh, All right, Kyle I, Porter. Shout out to Sahith. He just let me down at the very end. I had him over Denny we'll McCarthy. He he made an eight. He made a ten. I mean, I don't. It just. I'm still in. I'm still in on Sahith Nagala. So, thank Follow you. Follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. Thanks, KP. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Lucas Herbert. So, Greg, this was. Uh, Listen, Bermuda Championship, I've heard this place is paradise. Weather was a little iffy this week. A little, little rainy, little windy. It was a 69. That's two under par on Sunday and 15 under in total. That gets the job done. He held off a charging Patrick Reed on Sunday. He held off uh, Scott Stallings, who tried to come up and nab this thing for a while. But he did what he had to do to get the job done. Yeah, and by the way, um, on Scott Stallings, our gener- our, our go to generic PGA Tour player, there is nothing generic about that round today. That, that's incredible because those conditions were brutal. And ultimately, what it turned into for Lucas Herbert was a a battle of attrition, where you're just simply trying to hang on and pick away at a couple of birdies and make a couple of pars. And when you're on a 6,800 yard golf course that allows a round of 62 that around allows low rounds throughout the week. You kind of feel like they're all birdie holes in a way. Some of the part threes are, are extremely challenging, but aside from that, everything feels like a birdie hole until you turn on the fans and, uh, and, and the misters as well. And now it becomes really difficult. So you, you have to, even with a wedge in your hand, you have to play safe sometimes and and you have to understand you're not going to give yourself a lot of birdies. And in his words, he really grinded out there and he, and he grinded hard for 72 holes and you have to deal with the fact that you're hitting good shots and not getting great rewards. You're hitting good putts and they're not necessarily going in and, these are challenges that everybody had to face and nobody faced them better than Lucas Herbert. That victory comes in his 20th career PGA tour start Mark, obviously two wins on the European tour before this, but I think that's the story. You know, we talk about how hard it is to win your first time on the PGA tour. We talk about it all the time. We talk about how hard Sunday is when everyone is coming at you from every direction. And then you throw in a bunch of stuff that you can't control, like getting gusted and the the mist, and then it starts raining harder and you're trying to stay dry. And it's just like, it, it's as much, if not more of a mental battle than it is a physical battle. It is. And I will say this categorically. Uh, my limited experience with Lucas Herbert, I've met him briefly, chatted to him briefly, but I know a lot of Australian announcers and players, and they have talked him up in a big way. And, and there's a lot of chatter about him being a, a member of the International President's Cup team next year, and he's on Captain Trevor's radar a little bit and now, obviously, has vaulted up there a little bit more. Um, and and the, the, the word on Lucas always was that he's a closer. You saw that today. I mean... A number of those holes crosswind, difficult, punitive on one side of the hole, and he was pretty smart off the tee, was going with irons to put himself in play. He, he, he flats the ball beautifully and hit that just gorgeous wedge into the last hole to stiff it and essentially ask the thing because uh, that's what he does. And I would say from my experience, um, physical gifts aside, I would 
probably say that between the eras, that's the strength to Lucas Herbert's game. And that's going to stand him in good stead because the comments afterwards when Jerry Fultz said to him, so what does this mean? And he was candid. He goes, look, I hadn't got to think about this win just yet because I was grinding to your observation. Yeah. yeah. But here's the thing. Coming off the Corn Ferry Tour, and kudos to him for leaving the European Tour where he's a winner to come and play on the Corn Ferry Tour to get onto the PGA Tour. That takes a lot of sacrifice. Um, he goes, I can plan a schedule now, and I can mm-hmm. get into big events. And he didn't say it, but I could see in his eye, it's kind of like, and sort of show off who I really am when I get a few starts in some bigger events where conditions are hard because the, the, the events you list, not only were they on holidays, but conditions were grueling and difficult, especially in Ireland. So this guy in difficult conditions, he you can bank on him a little bit. And, um, and, and guys like Adam Scott and company, they wouldn't lie when they talk about him. I also like when he answered that question. He said, I don't, I don't know. I've only had two minutes to think about it, but here's <laughs> here's my answer. Uh, he's going to move up to the 43rd ranked player in the world from 57. And also Seamus Power is going to snap through the top 100. He's going to be your 100th ranked player on Monday morning. Let's roll through a couple of these guys who fell just short in Bermuda, but not without lack of trying. Patrick Reed here, Greg, closes with a 65. That included birdies on 13. 14, 17, and 18 to post the clubhouse lead. He has been playing horribly. Uh, I I think he would say that coming into this week, but sometimes these guys can just figure it out. They start licking their chops in a field that they know they have a chance to win. Nine-time winner on the PGA Tour almost made it double digits this week. Well, he he started to give himself uh, some more looks. He he started to give himself, for Patrick Reed, um, he took advantage of the wedge situations that he had. And all of a sudden, he gets some putts, and he makes a, uh, he gets a couple putts to fall, and now the hole looks a little bit bigger. And so, uh, to me, this was kind of a perfect scenario for Patrick Reed because even though he's been hitting the ball poorly, and I know we don't have strokes gain data here, but he did end up 14th in the field in greens of regulation, and he hit after Thursday, he hit 13, 14, and 13 greens in regulation, and that leaves a lot of opportunity for him to rely on those um, to rely on the putter and, and have it convert into birdies, which he was able to do, especially on Sunday. So for, for one of the ultimate grinders that we have on the PGA tour, getting tough conditions like this is a good way to get right, get yourself right, get yourself seeing shots again, instead of thinking about golf swing, because that's what happens. And Mark can speak to this. You get in conditions like this and you can't think about your golf swing. You're hitting shots. You got to flight it down. You got to fight winds and ride winds and make all these decisions. And you really have to see it. And sometimes that can go one of two ways if you're working on your swing. Sometimes that can be a disaster and it can lead to some really big numbers, or it can it can reignite a uh the the kid in you for lack of a better term and allow you to just go out and play. And that's what it looked like Patrick Reed was doing today. He was just going out there and playing. And, and leaning on that putter um, and the wedge game that is uh, elite. Danny Lee also ties for second with Patrick Reed. His last victory, the 2015 Greenbrier. I had to look that up. I did not remember that one. And Mark, this was Danny Lee making the turn on Sunday afternoon in the lead. He got to 15 under. That's the number that eventually won this thing before he made a double on 12. Back-to-back bogeys on 13 and 14. But to his credit, he made birdies on 15, 16, 17 and had a chance for – he could have chipped in for birdie on 18 to tie it. I mean, this was 
two sides of this. You, when he when he plays 12, 13, and 14 at four over, you're thinking, okay, eject button, he's he's giving it up. But to his credit, to follow that up with three straight birdies shows a lot because it could have easily gone even more sideways. Yeah, I mean, he had a complete out-of-body experience there for about an hour, and, and it cost him the event because it was plain sailing for Danny Lee in those tough conditions, um, you know, through 10 holes. And if you had said to me, okay, what's going to happen? Even though Herbert looked very sound to me, I would have said, well, look, Danny's your guy. Um, but we mustn't forget that this guy, you know, Danny Lee, at one stage, she was the world's number one amateur, won the U.S. amateurs, played in majors as an amateur tournament. So he's always been... Uh, you know, a little bit of a star, just wanting to recognize and, and, and fulfill the potential. But then he started battling with a form, and then he, kind of like Brasson in his own way, uh, went about chasing distance, uh, hooked up with George Gankus, golf instructor, and they did a major overall in how he swings the golf club. And he's picked up a lot of power. I think he sort of rivals Cameron Tringali in terms of, you know, distance gained, and it was significant. So he changed almost the style of game that he had because I remember watching him uh, when he played in his first masters and he was sort of accurate off the tee, decent iron player, good touch around the greens. And all of a sudden he's picked up pounds. He's a different looking guy, hits it harder. It's a little bit more wild off the tee, which cost him this week. Um, and so he's changed stuff in the interest of getting better. And through that all, that's got its own challenges. And, you know, Greg, as you well know, when you're under pressure come the final day, if you're not 100% yourself, you know, who are you? And that's when, when things start going awry. It's hard to get the train back on the tracks, if you will. And he did a great job of it. So hopefully this is what Danny Lee needs. It's like I've made the golf swing changes. I've proved to myself in difficult conditions. I can contend. I can rectify. So maybe he builds on this because the, the truth on Danny Lee is he's got tournament-winning DNA inside, and I'm looking forward to him, to him fulfilling that. Well, things going awry is the way that I would describe uh, Taylor Pendrith's Sunday. He entered the final round three shots clear, Greg. Three shots clear, which on the PGA Tour, that gets converted about 43% of the time. He finished three shots behind Lucas Herbert, a birdie-free 76, bogeys on 6-7-8, and a double on 17. Uh, again, I can go back to the usual refrain. It's hard to win on the PGA Tour. It's hard to get your. It's hard to get your first one, especially with everything that was going on. But there is still obviously a very bright future for Taylor Pendrith. For much of this week, it uh, especially the middle two rounds where he really, I mean, he shot 61, 65. You're, it's obviously a birdie fest, and and he did exactly what I thought he could do. I, I didn't know if for sure he would, but uh, I was a big fan of his on um, in the in the fantasy golf space. And the reason was, even though he kind of went against the model with his distance, his uh, ability off the tee and his ability on the greens, I thought he could make a ton of birdies and give himself a ton of wedge opportunities that would lead to birdies. And that's exactly what happened for the most part. And then you come to Sunday and it's a different game. And it's much like back to Thursday now where we got to hang in there. We got to hang tight. But you have the pressure of leading a PGA Tour event by three. And that's never easy but then it's just a little bit off and he's saving it a little bit with his hands at the bottom and misses a couple tee shots misses a couple approach shots and the bogeys slip away and then you get to 17 and it's just a disaster 17 was a complete disaster 
But the the real disaster for him was not making any birdies. I mean, he was tentative and it was all the signs, despite the difficult conditions, it was all the signs of a nervous player on tour, leaving wedge shot short, easy wedge shot short that he wasn't earlier in the week, leaving putt short that he wasn't earlier in the week. And uh, all the signs that I saw said he's feeling it. And so hopefully it's a learning opportunity for him. He's got a lot of game, um, a ton of speed. Wow. Um, so I, I was impressed with him all week. Really happy, really hoping he was going to be able to finish off the victory. But ultimately, had the 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 thing we always say, it's hard to win on tour. And that pressure really got him this week. Yeah, there's no doubt the whole shrinks on a Sunday. And that, that free swinging feeling you have on maybe Friday when it gets going and certainly Saturday when it's moving day, that goes away. I don't care how well you're playing. And, and becoming comfortable doing that, to me, that's just reps. And he looks like he's got the stuff to be able to build on this and, and kick it forward and get himself into contention a bit more. But as far as I'm concerned, there's some tightening up to be done there. You know, he's, to your point, powerful. He's big, he's wide, he's loose. But he had a tee shot down 17. Now, I commend him because he still was in contention there and it was a par five that he could reach if he got aggressive. Um, so he was going with driver. But my good golly, with a wind off the left, that was a gigantic miss as far as left is what he hit the thing over there. So there, there's a little, I don't know, growing up maybe to do, understanding of the golf swing, understanding what you feel like under pressure. But there's no doubt that, you know, what he's shown is, is, is enough. It's just now some some error tightening up for Taylor Pendrith. Two quick nuggets on Taylor Pendrith. He was on the wrong side of the draw this week. The Thursday morning uh, wave was about three shots worse than the Thursday afternoon wave. So he was one of the few golfers at the top of the leaderboard at the end of the week who was on the wrong end of the draw. And at 17 under through 54 holes, he tied the Bermuda Championship 54-hole record with Harry Higgs in 2019. Neither one of those golfers went on to win the golf tournament after setting the 54-hole scoring record. All right, Jets, here's what we got to do. Best, best bets and provide a one and done update. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great 
in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, first-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, Not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out, viore.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. And we're back. Best bets. I can be very quick here. Uh, I had Patrick Rogers over Hank Lebiota. That was a winner. Kyle, Kyle, Greg, he he referenced this before he ran out of here. Kyle had (laughs) Sahith over Denny McCarthy, which was very competitive for the first 54 holes. Uh, Sahith entered the final round one shot back of Denny, uh, but shot in 80, lost 11 shots on Sunday and finished 12 shots back of Denny. This is a weird, weird, weird game that we watch. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, it's challenging to say the least, but um Hey, good for good for him on making the cut there uh, after 74 in the opening round. Bouncing back with 64 was uh, or 66 rather was was very nice, and he got himself competitive as he said. But this day just completely gets away from him, and it was big numbers and 80 as you mentioned. And this is the other side of the Patrick Reed effect where you got to start seeing shots, you got to start hitting shots, you got to understand that some breaks aren't going to go your way. And the game can get moving really fast. And that's what happened for for Sahith today. One and done update. A lot of us went with Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, but I'll work my way up from the bottom as I tend to do. Sia Najad had Seamus Power. T12, 129,000, moves his season long total to 284,000. Kyle went with Matt Fitzpatrick, got 41,600, moves his total to 417. Uh, Greg, you also had Matt Fitzpatrick along with you, Mark. So we'll start with you. Mark, you are still in the lead. 3.4 million. You had Matt Fitzpatrick. He got you T30. How do you feel about that result? Honestly, a little disappointed, but given that I was vacillating between he and Danny Willett, I'm quite content with the fact that uh, I went with Fitzpatrick in the end because Willett missed the cut. Um, I was surprised I picked him because of the forecast. He hits the ball really low. Um, and so, uh, and he's coming off for victory, I think it was, over there in Europe or, or runner-up or whatever it was. And mm-hmm. so it's clearly confidence, but just one too many mistakes. I mean, he had it going, I think it was Friday and double bogeyed the last hole. And, and it was that sort of a stuff. But, you know, if, if I just keep making cuts and I pick off the odd good result, uh, I feel like I should be okay come to a championship's time. 
3.4 million for Mark. He is atop the board. Greg, you're at 1.8. You are at the bottom of the top tier. Kyle and Sia have yet to break through 500,000 yet. So you are still, obviously, you're still very much in the mix. We're six tournaments in, but through six weeks, how do you feel about having $1.8 million? Well, um, I've, I'm lamenting not taking Hideki. Right. I've, I've tried to this year, I made one really big mistake. I, I tried to make all the, all the right selections. I would classify Matt Fitzpatrick as the right pick this week for a couple. I mean, so many of us picked him one. He's coming off a win Two, to Mark's point. He hits it low three. He's a really accurate driver and a great putter, which has had great success in Bermuda. And, and you don't feel like there's a place where you have to play Matt Fitzpatrick. So I don't feel like I'm missing anything. I just thought in this field, He'd give me a little better performance. And it was close. It was really, it was right there to be in a great tournament. He needed a better round on Sunday. I mean, he could have easily finished tied second. Um, but playing Ricky last week over Hideki is the thing that's really kind of hurting me. Uh, I also wish I didn't play Camp Champ. I, I should have, it not didn't make a big difference financially, but I should have played uh, Shea Reve in the, in the season opener and didn't. So I've made two mistakes one i view as major one i it's just hard because they won and now all of a sudden i was leading and now i'm getting lapped because everybody took a decky so that's a little disappointing because that was my mark said he, danny will it was his second choice i was between ricky and hideki and i felt uh, i obviously made the wrong choice so yeah a little disappointed but we'll see how it goes from here that is 1.8 million for the season for Greg. Coach also went with Matt Fitzpatrick, got uh same 41,600. He's at 1.9. Jacob, who has solidified himself. Yeah, come on in, Jacob. The th as it, right there, third in the ranks, closing in on my heels. Uh, you were the one who went off the board this week. You went with Aaron Rye. He made the cut. T62, $14,235. I'm fine with that result. I mean, we went with the little contrarian play and didn't get zero dollars out of it. And True. the chalk, the chalk was Fitzpatrick, right? Yeah. And barely lagged behind that. Uh, what I'm kicking myself for is whenever I was looking over and I selected Mr. Rye here, I, I saw his T12 at the Irish Open and I was like, well, that's solid. I remember that event as being very blistery. Uh, I maybe should have scrolled up and check who actually won that event. And oh, maybe this I guy. And I maybe would have landed at the winner of this week because I, yeah. I I use that Irish Open as an example of uh, you know uh, a comp tournament to this one. And quite frankly, if you were going to go as far off the board as Aaron Rye, Lucas Herbert was probably also like that wouldn't have been that crazy to go with Lucas Herbert either if yeah. you were going to go with Aaron Rye, big European Tour guy last season. So I feel like I was uh, sniffing around it, you know. But we got money out of it. I'm fine with it. I'm sleeping well at night. Uh, not as well as you and you and Sia though, are I'm I listen. Hey, two, two, I'm in 2.3. I'm still 1.1 behind Mark, but there's plenty of golf left to be played. Okay. Wait, 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 wait a second, because yeah. I was very impressed, Rick, at your shameless power pick, because you talk mm. about stuff from off the grid. I was like, really? And so I had my eye on him the whole week and, and that was a very good call on your behalf. So please fill me in. I want to know what the, what the intellect involved here. 
Sure. So one, thank you. Two, I'm I'm a Seamus Power truther. He is just a ball striking machine. I saw it with my own eyeballs when it when they played out at Paiute here, and it was like 40 mile an hour winds. This guy was so pure that I've just been kind of following him. And of course, he was splitting time between the Corn Ferry and the PGA Tour last season. Then he wins at at Barbasol. But I just I like him. He gets it going. He's got upside. Um, I'm I'm a big Seamus Power fan. All right. Okay, I'm I'll paying attention. Something I've been I've been thinking about, which I don't I don't know if you guys have factored in, but I just realized it right now. Whenever we were talking about, it. I mean, we have a bunch of these sort of European guys that we took this week. The Scottish Open's on the PGA Tour this year. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I haven't even considered that. That's maybe you know where you stash away an extra euro just in the corner in your pocket. So we we were talking about Matt Fitzpatrick. I don't think Fitzpatrick would be a great Scottish Open fit, but. Just something. Well, maybe, uh, maybe Lucas Herbert. <laughs> hey, on the it, board it, for all of us, still. So we don't know where that event is going to be yet, but the purse is eight million dollars, which means that is more than, for example, the John Deere Classic, the 3M Open, the Wyndham Championship. It's it's not a small one. It's like a next tier up one. So make sure you've stashed your uh, your euros for the Scottish Open. Unless they played a Parkland course and you're, you know, it's just another PGA Tour event six hours ahead. It sounds like a John Rahm play to me. It really does. It really Let's, does. Where is it on the schedule? Hold on. So here we go. Um, it's right before so the it, Open. It's in it's July. Before. The oh, week before. Yeah. It's the week before. Yeah. So there's actually, yeah, it's back to back weeks. There's actually two events. So Barbasol and Scottish Open are the same week. And then, of course, Barracuda and Open Championship are the same week. So that's four events in two weeks. It's yeah. likely to be a CBS broadcast event as well. Nothing is etched in stone, but we're hearing rumblings. So uh, hopefully uh, yours truly will get a trip over there because you know where the Open Championship is this year. Get your passport ready, Mark. Uh, I was ready, though. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, gentlemen, Bermuda Championship in the books. We turn our attention to Maya Koba. Victor Hovland is going to defend. The field shaping up to be pretty darn good. Any parting words before we get out of here? Go Falcons. Go Falcons. Happy Halloween. Happy on, Halloween. Braves. <laughs> go Braves. Go, go Braves. We can both agree on that, Mark. <laughs> Good luck to all your sports allegiances, uh, but that will do it for now. Big thanks to producer Jacob right there. There he is on the screen. Not even behind the scenes. He's right there. You can see him. Uh, Greg Ducharme, you can find on Twitter at the real GFD. Mark Immelman at Mark underscore Immelman. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.